It's the month of February, right? And what's the big holiday in the month of February? Valentine's Day, right? How many of you love Valentine's Day? Let's see, all the ladies? All the ladies raised their hands. Did you notice that? Uh, None of the guys raised their hands because for us, it's a completely different story, right? It's one, I got to remember. Two, I got to scrounge up some money that I really don't have to go spend, you know, and and then I got to take her out and I got to, you know, this, 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 this. But that's not the kind of love we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about the romantic love that the world kind of seems to promote. And to be honest with you, I really think it's hurting our culture that all we talk about is the romantic love. Because then there's other people who who think that, well, I'll be happy then if I find that romantic love, right? If I I find, you know, know, and, and social media is not helping because Sheila and I can post a picture of ourselves, and we're at the beach, right? And, and, and oh, wow, look at Matthew and Sheila. They look like they're having a great time. Wow, they're so in love. But what you have no idea is that we got in a fight driving down there on which freeway we should take and which, you know, off-ramp we should get at. We were screaming at each other. And then, as I was looking for parking, she's telling me to park in one spot. And I'm like, I don't want to park in that spot. I want to park in this spot. And then we get out of the car, right? Right? Come on. And we get out of the car. And then, you know, she says she wants to take a picture over there. And I'm saying, why do, you, why do we need to take a picture? And then, and then we get right in the spot. We both put on smiley faces. We take a picture. We put it on Facebook and Instagram, and you guys think that we are the most romantic couple ever. Can anybody relate to that? One of the most frustrating conversations my wife and I have almost daily is, then this is how it starts. Honey, what do you want for dinner? Okay. That one question seems to start an avalanche of arguments, frustration, and the like. And I don't know what it is about that we just can't after, you know, we've been married 18 years, and that is still the one, like, you just, like a grenade, you know. And yet she walks out, honey, what do you want for dinner? Well, what I want for dinner and what she wants for dinner are two completely different things. And then you throw the kids in the mix, right? The next thing you know, we're driving through McDonald's. Like, how did that even happen? But love, isn't it romantic? But my point is, is that I think we experience or we feel disappointment because we think about that snapshot, right? You think about, oh, wow, look at that couple. They look so happy. Or you go and you watch the movie and it ends, right, with the two of them kissing. And, and they look so happy, right? And, and we're just so used to this idea of romantic love that I believe we are starting to get away from what love truly is. And I'm, I want to talk to you guys about what the Bible and the Greek refer to as agape love, which is different from the romantic love that we've seen. I, I just thought, and it was this morning, uh, you know, this kind of love that still, I guess you could say, has an element of romanticism to it. But you guys remember the movie Sleeping Beauty, the cartoon, the Disney cartoon Sleeping Beauty? Okay, well, one of the, the greatest parts of the movie that I really, really feel like talks about or, or is a perfect picture of God's love for us is when she's been, you know, put to sleep, right? 
and, and the prince goes to save her. He's trying to get to her to rescue her, right? And, and, and of course, what has he got to do? He's got to fight through all the, the thorns and all the, you know, the, the, and then he's got to fight the dragon, you know, the, the wicked witch and all that stuff to get to her. And he's got the shield and he's got this sword and he's literally putting his life on the line for her, right? Now, I, that is this kind of picture of a, a type of love, but really it's not just about the romantic love they live happily ever after. What you don't know or what you may not realize all the time was that there was a God who has pursued you just like that. Just like that, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So what is agape love? Okay, it's a Greek word. Agape is a Greek word. The Greeks had more words for love than what we do, right? You can say, I love that cheeseburger, and you can look at your wife and tell her, I love you, and you use the same word for a cheeseburger as for your wife or for your husband, right? You can look at your child and say, I love you, and then you can go grab yourself a, you know, like a Diet Coke and say, I love Diet Coke. Why do we use that same word? Because we've taken that word to mean, right, uh, uh, everything from just a simple, well, I, I really enjoy this soft drink to, you know, a relationship. But the Greeks did a much better job of explaining love with different words. And one of the words was agape. And this was the type of love. Agape is a Greek word meaning love, not the romantic love, but the highest form of love, the love of God to man and of man to God, right? That picture of the, of the prince, right? Shield in hand, you know, shield and sword in hand, fighting for his love. This is the kind of love that God has for us, this agape love. And this is the kind of love that we need to understand because the world is actually desperate for it. They're trying to love, and the only way that the, our culture is teaching them, right, is this romantic, well, you, you know, you got to have a partner, and you got to feel the warm fuzzies, and you got to, you know what I mean? And that, they say, that's love, that's love. But that's actually just a, a small fraction of what love is. I love this scripture in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus, when, when in his time in his ministry here on earth, you know, uh, he was asked a lot of questions. In fact, the questions he asked, really, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were trying to trip him up. They were trying to get him to say something that would be sacrilegious because they really, really didn't like him. In fact, they hated him. In fact, they were envious of him. And they really didn't, of course, they were blinded to the fact that the God himself, the Son of God, was here walking amongst them. And they asked him this question, what's the greatest commandment? Out of all the commands of Moses, What's the greatest one, Jesus? Let's see what you have to say. And of course, because he is the son of God, he answers their question. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important, equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. 
Okay, Jesus is actually saying, I can simplify your guys' problem. Your guys' problem is that you've created all of these laws and all of these do's and don'ts that it's become burdensome, right? And they were trying to catch Jesus on saying, well, this is the most important law because they wanted to be able to say, well, you know, he said this, but it's really, you know, they just wanted to argue with him. But Jesus goes right to the core, And he says, listen, you can base every other law on these two. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you're doing those two things, then you can't break any of the other, you know, murder, envy, and, you know, all these other things that we're not supposed to do. And if you really look at it, it's not even a don't do type of law, right? It's not a law that wags its finger at you and says, don't do this, don't do that. You know, it's actually a law that, that, you know, Jesus is a command that says, listen, do this. This is a good thing. Because if you just simply hold on to this in your heart, then every other decision you make in life, right, at the core of it should be love. But I want to even press in deeper a little bit to you. If you guys have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And and Jesus talks more about love, but he goes deeper. And I'm going to tell you, he kind of presses on those parts of us where we say, whoa, 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 God, not that far. I mean, I can love, but I have a limit to my love, right? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43. I'm going to read it to you. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So if you have your Bible apps and you want to uh, follow along, it's just easy to read the New Living. You have heard the law. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor, right? And hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that, you, in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Because even corrupt tax collectors do that much. By the way, that was a real dig back in the time. I mean, you, that was scum, okay? So Jesus is using some harsh language here. You know, even tax collectors, the scum, do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Ooh, boy, that should be another dig right there. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I want to press in on this idea of loving our enemies, or for you, loving difficult people. Because maybe you don't call them enemies, but how many of you have difficult people in your life, right? I think all of us do, because we're all human, right? All of us have difficult people in our life. All of us have people that we would call, yeah, they're my enemy. I do not like them. And Jesus is pressing in on this idea of love that, you know, I can tell you to love, but of course you guys are all going to go out and you're going to go home and you're going to love the people that are easy to love. But you want to know what the problem with that is? We will not win over a dying, hurting, broken world. Because there are people who are hard to love that need it desperately. 
And the thing is, is we all were once those people. We were all once those people that before we came to know Christ, before we came to understand his love and forgiveness, we were those difficult people. We were those hurting people. We were those broken people. And we needed someone to step beyond our, you know, hurt and pain and, and, and keeping them at a distance and saying mean things or whatever and step beyond that and say, I love you so much. That you can spit at me, curse at me, do whatever you like, but I am still going to love you with the love of Jesus Christ. That's the love the world is desperate for, and they don't even know it. So how do we love our enemy or difficult people? How do we do that? Guess what? Because I'm a good four-square pastor, I got you three points. (laughs) Three points. I was taught well. I was taught well in the Foursquare Bible College. Three points, but they're good ones. They really are. They're good ones. How do we love difficult people? How do we love our enemies? The first one is going to challenge you. Forgive them. Forgive them. We've all been hurt by someone, right? We've all been, maybe not physically spat at, but we've all had someone, right, who's kind of spit our way, who's kind of looked down upon us, who's, who's maybe held us down, or, you know, I mean, as, as Tina even shared and bared her soul, you know, growing up, you know, even in a house with your enemy, right? Living with the enemy. How about that? The Bible says forgive them. And it is so important, not just for them, but for you. Luke 6.31 says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Jesus is saying, be careful, you guys, how you treat people. Because don't forget, you were once an enemy to God. In your sin, you were an enemy of his, and yet he had mercy and compassion upon you. He loved you. And he's saying, likewise, treat people this way. Because when you do, when you do treat people and, and you don't, you know, uh, uh, take what we would consider your enemies and, and go out there and, and, and wag your finger at them and tell them how terrible people they are, then you, you literally take yourself out from underneath, you know, God's commands and now you're acting on your own. And that's where, you know, Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful because that is not of me. When you start judging others, when you start condemning others, when you start holding on to unforgiveness, that is not of me. And now you are out from underneath my blessing, out from underneath my commands, underneath my protection. And you are on your own and you put yourself in now a place of condemnation, a place of unforgiveness. Be careful. We need to forgive them. Colossians, this is the letter from Paul. 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowance, right? In other words, be ready. People are going to hurt you. It's going to happen. I can guarantee it. So be ready for it. If you're prepared for it, how, how many of you, like me, you, you hate to be blindsided by something, right? You hate to wake up and find out news about something that you were just unprepared for. Or you, you get to work 
and you had your workday planned out, and then you get to work, and something else happens, and you're, you're, the direction of your day goes in a completely different way. How many of that really bugs you? You like to know what's coming up or know what's going to happen, right? So here, here's a little help. Make allowance for each other's faults. Be prepared that people are going to hurt me. Be prepared that people are going to say hurtful things, that people are going to do hurtful things because they're human, because you're human. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive again, just as we've forgiven. You guys, Jesus Christ forgave us. We were forgiven. The story of the unmerciful servant, right? We're the ones that owe the king, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yet we turn to our friend who, who only owes us 20 bucks and we seem to hold him accountable to that. We need to understand and we need to have that picture in our, our minds and in our hearts daily because I'm telling you, you will be offended. You will be assaulted, you know, verbally, if not physically, by somebody. Here's my second point of how to love difficult people. Pray for them. Pray for them. That is something I learned in my adult's life. And I got to admit, it was hard to do. Pray for somebody that really ticked me off, that really hurt me. But you know what? As I began to pray for that person, you know what happened to my heart? My heart started to soften for that person. And instead of feeling only anger and animosity against them, I started to, my heart started to break for them. I started to see, you know, like, like Tina had said, you know, her, her father, you know, hurt her, but she realized that her father was a hurting person himself. You guys heard the term hurt people, hurt people? If someone is hurting you, that's probably because they're hurting and when you begin to pray for someone, you begin to pray for that specific need because probably the reason why they're hurting you is because there is a pain inside that they haven't let go of. And if you could pray that they would become healed of that thing, then both of you win. Both of you win. Amen? Matthew 5, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that, uh, that you've received it, it will be yours. You guys, there's a faith in praying. There's believing when we pray, and stepping out for somebody else, especially that person who has hurt you, can I tell you, that is showing the love of the Father. And that is what the world so desperately needs right now, you guys. So desperately needs. I saw a video. And uh, it's, it's usually of them finding uh, abandoned animals, right? And I'm just using this as a picture. I, I know that this happens also with people. But it, it's just a great picture because they see this abandoned animal. How many of you have seen this one? And, he, and the, the dog, normally a dog, and he's just, he's, he's, his, his uh, fur is is, you know, tangled and, and dirty and his eyes are patchy, you can barely see out of him and they usually find him huddled in a corner and he's shaking and, and they're reaching out and what are they trying to do? They're trying to help him and what does the dog do to them first? Snaps at him, right? Right? Snaps at him. 
But they're trying to help him. And then they get in there and they, they, talk, they talk softly. And they, they've got the, the, the kibbles and, you know, they've got water and they lay it down. And the dog still, even though they're putting things in front of it that it needs, the, the dog still is staring at them because he's been so abused that he doesn't trust them. And he snaps at them again, right? But they patiently, patiently wait. They stand there. Until the dog calms down, until the dog starts to drink the water, until he starts to eat the kibbles, and then finally they move in and they try to touch the dog, right? And again, and they try it again, and they do it again, and they do it again, and eventually they're able to touch the dog, and the dog's finally building a rapport, and, and I love it, you know, kind of jumping forward. Then they, you know, once they show this process of them cleaning him up and, 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 and giving them a bath and, and feeding him, and then the dog goes from being scrawny, and they start to see the days and the months go by, and then one of the most beautiful pictures is they show this beautiful dog bounding, on, you know, in a backyard with a big old giant smile looking like a normal dog looking doing things that a normal dog would do right I feel that that's a great picture for us to hold on to because you're going to reach out to people and they're going to snap back at you but you need to see through the dirty you need to see through the matted hair you need to see through the skin and bones and you need to see the pain that they're going through that if there's so much in pain that they would snap back at you or try to hurt you it's probably because they don't trust anyone that is the kind of love we need to show the world that is who we need to be praying for and i'm going to go even further the the next step would be to bless them right to do those things, to, to hang in tight with them, to, to go beyond, bless them. And Luke 6, 28 says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do unto you. Now, you're probably saying, Matthew, that's insane. That's crazy. Now, by the way, let me just take a little bit of a side note. God is not saying that if someone is trying to take your life, that you cannot defend yourself. That is not what this scripture is saying at all. It's more of an offense. You know, the slap on the face, right? Like the old taking off the white glove and I slap you. Right? How dare you? Good day to you, sir. You know, kind of like that gentlemanly, you know, you have offended me and I will slap you across the face. The point I'm trying to make is we don't really on a daily basis experiencing someone trying to take our lives. But what we do experience on a daily basis is people, in a sense, slapping us across the face. Right? We all do. You guys all know where I lose my salvation just about every day. And it is on the 91 freeway or the 57 freeway. I don't know what is going on with the 57 freeway lately. But stay away from the freeways, right? I feel like I lose my salvation and it is this constant tension, you know, and ask my wife how many people I speak to in a very loud voice even though they can't hear me, right? What are you doing, you idiot? They can't hear me. But bless those 
right, who curse you, right? Turn the other cheek. To be honest with you, fine. I mean, what are we going to do, right? What are we going to do? He's cut me off in the lane. What am I really going to do? What do I want to do? I want to pull next to him, and I want him to see my face. I want him to see how angry. I have a story about that from a, a friend of mine, and, and Chuck actually knows this guy. This guy we worked with uh, when Chuck and I were doing sales, and, and Jacob too. This guy we worked with in sales, he uh, on, was on the freeway, and a guy cut him off. So he flies around him, gets in the next lane, gets right on him, looks right at him, and just gives it to him, right? I'm pretty sure he used some finger language. What he didn't know was there was a car in his lane stopped, and he crushed the back of that car. He totaled, totaled his car. And, he, and I remember saying, hey, dude, what happened? I heard you got in an accident. He goes, yeah, you want to know how? Why? Some guy cut me off, and I gave him the, you know, I gave him the thing. I gave him, you know, showed him what was what, and I paid the ultimate price. Right? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek. You guys, there is a desperate, dying, hurting world. And we need to stop acting selfishly because if we act unselfishly, there's people who could come to know the love of Jesus Christ through our actions, through our words, through, through how we treat them. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because Christ did it for us. Why do we do this, you guys? How do I stand up here? How do I even have the gall to stand up here and tell you that this is how you should be acting? This is how I should be acting? Because Jesus Christ did it. Because Jesus Christ set the standard. Jesus Christ was the example. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God didn't wait for you to get your act together before he then revealed himself to you and, and, and showed you his love. He didn't. While you were still a sinner, while you were still broken, while you were still dirty, he then said, hey, I love you. I want to have relationship with you. I want to heal you. I want to take away all your pain. While we were yet still sinners. Romans 5.10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. This is it. This is the gospel, you guys. This is the good news. That even while you were still and while I was still a mess up, a broken person, Jesus came down to show his love. And he never ever says that you have to get your act together first. He never ever says that you got to, you know, clean up first. He just says, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. This is how the world will know, you guys. John 17, 23, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Why do we do this, you guys? 
Why do we need to understand this agape love and, and why do we need to show it? So that the world will know. Because right now the world is doubting that God even exists. And sometimes when the world turns to the church to see if he exists, they're still unsure. Because they're still not shown the love of God. They're still not shown that merciful love, that, that accepting love. That love that says, you know, that's, this is still sin, but I love you. And guess what? I'm willing to walk alongside of you so that you can find the same healing that I found. The same forgiveness that I found. You guys, three simple ways. Three, three simple ways to love your enemy, to love those who are difficult, to love those that you are in strife with. Right? Forgive them. Pray for them. Bless them. I'm going to ask the worship team. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. You guys, this is Pastor John. Go ahead. Um, Worship team, come on up. I don't know why the Lord wanted me to share this, but but for the sake of being real, (laughs) um, I'm not a four-square pastor, but I am, uh, I have served as a pastor. And uh, um, about three years ago, no, four years ago, um, I started serving as a pastor in um, a church here in Buena Park. And um, two years after serving with them, um, some situations occurred uh, that really hurt <clears throat> my wife and uh, my son, uh, Justice. After all the amount of time that we were pouring in and preaching and praying for and visiting and, and sharing, and... Um, and it all came to a halt uh, that I, where I was blindsided to some degree. Uh, I knew what was, I knew something was going on, but um, and we had to, you know, sit in a meeting, a congregational meeting, where we were, uh, where a vote was uh, conducted for our removal as senior pastor. That hurt. Um, whether you're in ministry or not, you know. We're all human. Uh, this stuff happens. Um, no church is perfect. And so <clears throat> ever since then, you know, <clears throat> I drive, I work in Stanton right now. And any t- I didn't want to have anything to do with Buena Park. I didn't want to really do anything with ministry. Um, um, I was burnt. Um, and my wife was burnt. My son was burnt. Um, and... And, and there were some, uh, some expectations that I had in my own mind um, in terms of how I thought things were going to play out, and they didn't. Um, and so it's been two to three years now um, where I've had to continue to forgive and, and pray for that body. Um, and, and there was a particular group of people that the Lord had put on my heart that I needed to um, go seek reconciliation with and ask them, have I done anything uh, to you personally that have, that has made, um, that has caused you to be offended that I need to ask your forgiveness for? And they said, no, <laughs> but I still knew that that wasn't fully true. Um, but 
I love them anyway. And I continue to pray for that congregation, but it's been hard. And the Lord continues to test me. Even within a few months ago, there was a a, a couple that we knew of um, whose husband um, had a debilitating, debilitating illness. And he had asked me when I was still pastoring at that church if I would do his funeral. And I said, sure. So we got a call a few months ago. He did pass his wife. Um, actually, I called them because we were asking them for some advice. And she told me that he had passed. And then she had asked me if, if I'd be willing to do a service because she didn't know who to turn to. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Time went by. And this same group of people from that church was also associated very closely with this couple. And I didn't hear anything, so I called and just to find out what the latest was when the service was gonna be planned. And they told me that one of the members of of this group of people um, wanted to help them plan the service. And I knew, I knew right then and there that I was not going to be a part of it anymore. And sure enough, I wasn't. And that just infuriated me. Infuriated me. Because that man had asked me mm-hmm. to officiate his funeral. Mm-hmm. And I had to let that go. And again, I had to forgive mm-hmm. that group of people. I had to release them. And so this church, I know I've said it before, but this this body... And my good friend here has been a good help where God has just healed all of us. And we continue to heal and continue to be restored. And, and praise God, you know, we're, we're moving forward. We're looking forward to what God has planned for us next. But I wanted to just, I just felt led to share that. Um, because I don't know where any of you are in terms of what God is moving on your heart and tugging on your heart to do to take that extra step to pray for that person or even go to that person or group of people or whoever it is to first and foremost look to yourself have I done anything that I'm not aware of Mm. that I need to ask forgiveness for Mm. so that you can pursue reconciliation Jesus said "If, if you have um, before you lay your gift at the offer, altar, yeah. go, and if, if you know somebody has something against you, go and be reconciled with that person, and then come back mm-hmm. and offer your gift. Mm-hmm. Come on. So, I just want to share that with you, just being real. Amen. Pursue it. Amen. Pursue it. Let God heal you and restore that relationship if it's possible. If not, let him go. Let him go. So praise God. Thank you for the message. Thank you, John. Will you guys give John a thank you? So so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back into a time of worship. But I want this to be an opportunity for you. I believe, you guys, I believe that forgiveness is tied to emotional healing. I believe it could even go further and and that emotional can even be tied to the physical. So, but I believe you guys that it starts with forgiveness. 
So I'm going to give you an opportunity. We, we've got some of our, our, our prayer team, if our, if our prayer team uh, would come up, uh, Anna and, and Joanna and Jacob. Yeah, and Nikki, Sheila. Do you guys need to be honest and real this morning? If you're holding on to unforgiveness for someone, this is an opportunity to deal with that. This is an opportunity to lay that thing that has just become a cancer in your life. To get rid of it, to give it to Jesus, put it at his feet, so that you, not for the other person, so that you can find healing, so that you can be restored, so that you can come boldly into the throne room of Jesus and not have anything that is weighing you down, distracting you, holding you back. But also this, Maybe you're struggling with accepting forgiveness from your Father God. And you have even had these, these words go through your head like, no, I, I, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know what kind of a mess up I am. Those are all lies from the enemy. Because you have to remember, and then we, we read the scripture even while we were still sinners, Christ loved us. God sent his son to die for us. I believe that there are some of us in here today who are still holding on to unforgiveness. You're either holding on to unforgiveness for someone else or you have not allowed God to come and forgive you because you don't feel worthy of it. And I'm telling you right now, it is keeping you from emotional healing. It is keeping so much from happening in your lives that I believe that if you could face this this morning with us in a safe place, and if you could deal with it, that you would see God pour out his mercy, his grace, his love upon you like never before because you'll be open to it. You'll be available for it. You will have removed the thing from your heart that doesn't need to be there. And once that thing has been removed, now your heart is open for God to fill it with his love. So how many of you are tired of that thing holding residence in your heart? That pain, that brokenness, that unforgiveness. How many of you are tired of it? How many of you are saying, I want it removed and I want to remove it today. And I want God to fill my heart with his love. We're gonna go back into a time of worship and you, you can stand, you can sit, you can raise your hands, however you wanna worship God, but I would encourage you to press into him. We have our, our prayer team, we'll, we'll be up here and I would encourage you, sometimes we just need to say it. Sometimes we need to verbally say it so that it makes a connection into our hearts and I would say don't do it alone so that we can come and we can pray for you that we can encourage you. You guys, God loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you will ever know. But if you feel like you're that 
animal that's beaten, broken, starving, know this, God is reaching out his hand to try to touch you. Do not, do not swipe it away today. Can we worship? Can we worship together?